Welcome back to the Velo Chumps podcast. We have everybody here again, so we are in for another great episode. Randy Nicewanger, you're on a streak, man. You're on a streak. Not only are you here for like the fifth straight episode or something like that, we also rode bikes with you this week. This is incredible. How are you feeling over there, Randy? I'm so tired. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. Man, I think I rode bikes twice this week. That's, wow. that's unheard of. Incredible. And my we'll green. See, we'll see you tomorrow my, morning too, right? Yeah. Yes. My green, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh try I'm trying to get Randy and Ryan out riding, but uh Ryan is turning to run in and, and Randy's just coming up with other excuses to avoid riding. I, I, I hit my sad. quota, Mike. These two these two are on the verge of suspension from the Velo Chumps here <laughs> with these uh alternate activities. Uh so yeah, Ryan Brainer, you uh you did go running today instead of riding your bike, so you know. Hopefully, uh, I think Mike and I will have a fun, adventure-filled Saturday morning, so hopefully that makes up for it. Hopefully. And uh, Chad Locker, you probably haven't ran in, I don't know, since elementary school, maybe? Is that still about right? No. I, once I tried to run on a, like a treadmill, like at a hotel gym, and I, I think I threw my back out, like... That's not good. Like no. See, never. that's what you get, man. That's what you get. Never, never again. But what? But what I'm really concerned about is I haven't really actually ridden a bike yet this week because my travels for work. But but Randy has done it, what two rides this week? Maybe three. Wow. So maybe I'm three. Wow. to wonder if it's like you know Bruce Wayne and Batman can't be in the room at the same time. Like if Randy rides a bike this week, like I can't. Like this is. I'm getting worried now. You better step it up, man. You better step it up this weekend. I expect to see something big on your Strava. Actually, so. Chad, I won't. I won't lie. I almost took you up on the ride yesterday, but then I'm like, that's that's just nuts. If I did three days, in three a rides in in a week, yeah, yeah. you got to work you work back in slow, huh, Randy? Yeah, exactly. Oh man. So, so guys, I have a couple short little announcements before we get started here. Short little topics, and then we can get into some of the bigger ones. But I I wanted to bring something up that that I found very exciting. Do any of you remember off the top of your head without looking what we talked about in our second ever episode of the Velo Chumps? I don't remember what we talked about the last episode. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you don't. We got so, to actually guess, though. I, was that Wahoo? Was it that, was about Wahoo. Great job, Randy. Well, I Great know I, job. Took of, I took a lot of slack from the board members yeah. for that discussion. <laughs> so, so in that episode, we were discussing that they were going in on this RGT stuff and some of their software offerings. And we were talking about how we really wanted them to focus on their core business of trainer hardware and innovation and, and doing that. But instead they were doing things like trying to do RGT and we were discussing our experiences and I can actually, if you guys think it's a good idea, I can actually play a clip from that episode where basically what we said was stop making software. It's stupid. That's pretty much the uh, the word for word. And and what did then then what did we talk about last week, Chad? Do you remember what we talked about? What, what time? I want I want to know because of all of our technologies. You can you like? Are you going to post edit that clip in, or can you actually hit it now? Oh, I can. No, no, no. I'm I'm going to post edit it in. Oh, um, sorry. I'm not. Gonna. <laughs> what have we? we do we have a budget? No. Have we spent more than like ten. Seconds? No, 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 no. All right. No, I can go back to the original file. But do you remember what we would talked about last week related to Wahoo? Uh, yes. Um, no, I don't. Was it the bike? anybody? Anybody? Was it the new yeah. trainers? No. Yeah. So no? we talked about the new trainers, and then we actually we got to give Randy credit here. Um, I think Randy mentioned something last week about how 
um, he, you know, really put it, put some pressure on those people in that boardroom to understand what we were saying as chumps. And they did, they did exactly what we asked them to do. They gave up the software game. They got back to the hardware game and I think they're moving in the right direction. So Randy, thanks yeah. for being the voice of the customer. Well, we're, we're going to take credit for this here at the Velo Chumps because not only did they last week that they introduced the kicker move, which was an innovation in the trainer space. And we had a lot of positive things about to say about that. They also, I'm sorry, that was two weeks ago, because last week all we talked about was the Shimano recall. Sorry. So two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we talked about the kicker move and how they were innovating back in the trainer space. And we had a lot of good things to say about that. And this week, we received word that they have shut down RGT and they're going to focus on their core business. So I think we, the Velo Chumps, are going to take credit for that. Okay. That's that's a great piece of news. There's like one more thing we that would like the trifecta, right? Do you remember what that was? It's not exactly Wahoo, but it, it kind of, it's a tangent here, right? We, for Zwift, mm-hmm. that that little con- game controller they have, it needs the Contra code. So you get like yeah. a thousand watts yeah, or something. If they do that, if they do that, we'll, exactly. Yeah, like that'll be it. Like we can be done. We can end the podcast. We will have succeeded at something. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, if you were a fan of RGT, sorry. Sorry, you're out. That's uh, It's no longer going to be supported or offered, and I, I, you're out. I'm kind of like, is this, like, because of the of the Zwift, like, Wahoo lawsuit? Do you, I mean, are, there were, like, a like two cool features I think at least. Yes, there was one cool feature. Yeah, like the magic road or whatever. Like, yep. Can they, yep. like, could they put that into Zwift? Because I honestly, because Zwift's now got like those fake climbs, right? That don't really have mm-hmm. a background, which is kind of like all the RGT had for the magic road. So could I actually take one of my routes that I've done or a race course and then upload it to Zwift so I could, you know, practice, I guess, in my basement in the middle of winter? Or something? Well, I mean, be- at the moment, the answer is no. So I'm so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful these two have like figured out that they need each other and that okay, let's not waste everything that RGT, all the folk, you know, however many people worked on it. Thirty, I don't know, ten, who who knows how many people programmed it, but you'd hate to see that code die, right? Like let it go to Yeah, that the one feature that maybe a few people used that I never used. Cra- but it cra- it was basically it was basically a stupid program. So I'm I'm glad it's I'm glad they got rid of it. It was it was pretty bad. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I didn't I didn't hate it. And you know the problem was it didn't have the um you know for those that have never really played in the menus of Zwift and maybe you're in it now you don't realize it it's like half resistance, right? By default. Yes. Mm-hmm. The ratio it they, they kind of You're the default. You can change it. Yeah. The default is half the, half trainer resistance. Right. Yes. So the, the default ratio is you kind of are like a hero in your basement, which is good. But then you you did RGT and it was like, nope, no default ratio. It's you get to suffer like you're pushing a 65 tooth chain ring on thing. <laughs> that was not the greatest feature. No. It's it's not but it's there's a little bit of a misunderstanding there. They Fifty percent does not make it fifty percent as hard. When you do a hundred percent of the trainer setting or the difficulty, your two hundred fifty watts still makes you go up the mountain at the same exact speed right. as two hundred fifty right. watts. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah, no, but it, it's kind of like it gears your chain. Yeah, it, what it does is it only affects the gradient. So the fifty percent means if the gradient is. 15%, it's really only seven and a half or whatever. I was going to say, yeah. but you're still putting the same amount of Watts down. Yes. It's not changing your output or your, 
your, your input into the into the trainers, but it is it has to do with the gradient. Could yeah. you change the setting in RGT or no? I don't. I don't know. I, Nobody cares. I, I, no, don't. It, we don't even need to get into that. It wasn't set there by default, and who cares? And it's gone. It's gone. In like yeah, exactly. Seventeen days or something. But for those of you who have not um, changed any of the settings, and you're currently going up out out do Zwift or out do was it out do Zwift? Yeah, out do Zwift. Yeah, out do in like forty five minutes, and you think oh, I'm going to crack this mountain in forty five minutes. Maybe you ought to play with that little slider real quick, and then go <laughs> yeah. get a whirl and be like, hmm, I am not Jonas at all. Yeah. 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 True story. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've never been up the real one, so I, I wouldn't be able to compare the two, but, uh, but yeah. All right. So anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to quickly mention, and this is something that most chumps probably aren't going to be maybe not interested in at the moment, or maybe not even this, not, not, not even, excite them or anything but i did want to mention that mark cavendish is coming back for another season and for a lot of us that's exciting anyone who got into watching the tour last year that's pretty exciting he is going to attempt to break the well i'm sorry he's going to attempt to solely own the number of stage wins of all time record he's currently tied with eddie Merckx, and he's gonna make a run at winning another stage of the tour de france next year to to take over that record on his own solely. And the reason I want to bring this up is not because I want to discuss Mark Havenish and racing. It's because I think it's worth looking into if you're a chump out there that just rides your bike, and you're not really into racing. This guy, Mark Havenish, is a very compelling person, figure in cycling history. I mean, he's he's sort of um polarizing he has traditionally had some attitude problems maybe that's a one way to put it he's also the greatest sprinter of all time bar none i mean that's sort of undisputed so and and you know he has a lot of good qualities he's a very charismatic person the way he goes out and wins is very exciting and i think it's just something that if you are someone who even just rides your bike, it might be worth looking into this guy, do some research about him. There is a Netflix documentary about him that you can look into, watch that. And I think it's just something that he's the kind of person that if you look up, look him up, do some research, watch the documentaries, watch some stuff about this guy, it might just spark your interest in racing. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. So I don't know if any of you have any uh, comments about that or, you know, for example, Randy, I know you weren't really that much into racing, but I think you probably were sort of like, you know, it, it, it hits you when he pulled out of the tour last year after that broken collarbone. It was like, you know, someone who's not really into racing, all of a sudden Cavendish was out. You were, you were, you know, it, I, I, it, it made a difference in your life, you know? Yeah, I will tell you, though, it was what stage, third or fourth stage last this past tour and in, in- Cavendish took a took a jump on on uh, yeah on Philipson yep on Philipson and Philipson beat him just barely at the line and and I was pulling for Cavendish I mean mm-hmm. it was like you really wanted him to see him you know I mean there's no disrespect to Eddie Merckx I mean that's cool but to be to watch history be made you know it was really something compelling you know and it made the tour you know the storyline of the tour so much more interesting and yes you're right when he fell and crashed on whatever stage that was and he ended up leaving the tour and you just kind of seen that, you know, the, um, you know, the, 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 the documentary of the sequencing of events of him going into the ambulance and yep. 
hospital. It just really did. I mean, not to, not to sound too compassionate, but it really pulled on your heartstrings a little yep. bit. Man, this is a guy that, you know, hit the, the peak of his career. And all, he was so close to, to accomplishing, obviously, something that he wanted to accomplish. Anyways. I, I think it was the type of crash, though, right? Like, had it been, like, yeah. epic crash, yeah. we've all accepted it. But the fact that it was, like, two miles an hour and he f- kind of fell over his handlebars because the bunch had sort of hit together. Yep. It was, like, a non-event crash that was huge. And it was, like, no, no, we don't want him to go out like that. Nobody wants Correct. to go out like that, right? The, the other thing is... I'm a big Cavendish fan now because um, Valverde has retired. And so he's like hope for us masters racers, right? (laughs) (laughs) In the field. (laughs) I have two questions. Do we know what I'm sure it will get into the Netflix series, but was, were they following Astana or no? I don't believe they were, but I am sure they will have, they will discuss the Cavendish storyline. And then my next question or point is um do you actually like do you think he'll actually get it like i want him to get it i don't actually think he will though oh i absolutely think he will so just this is gonna now get into a little bit of the bike nerdery for for bike fans but since you asked the question they have signed michael morcow so that's huge he is you know one of the best lead outs of all time they also signed Ballerini, so that was someone else who had rode with him at Quick Step. And most importantly, they signed his previous coach slash performance. I forget what the name, but the title of this guy is, but he is the Quick Step guy. And interestingly, because of this whole Quick Step Jumbo Visma merger, he could get a whole train from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, they um they picked up his previous coach. So if you watch the, the, um, I haven't actually seen it, but apparently in the specific documentary about Cavendish, not the Netflix unchained, the tour de France unchained, but the specific documentary about Cavendish, apparently this coach slash performance guy was super important to turning him around. Cause if you remember, Cav had a bunch of down years and he, you know, was struggling. And then he got back in with quick step and, this coach with quick step apparently really helped turn him around. And now that same coach is now got picked up by Astana. So they're making, basically they're going all in to build the, the infrastructure and the team he needs to, to win a tour, this a stage of the tour. And if you remember, they didn't have any of that last year. And the one stage, Randy, you were saying that Phillipson passed him. If you remember, he couldn't shift into his yeah, 11 cog his chain was slipping or whatever. So that was a mechanical issue. And I mean, the guy was on top of his game, even without all of that stuff. So I absolutely believe he will win one of the stages with this, um, with the 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 dedication and the the resources they're putting behind it. I mean, I want him to win. Let me make that clear. I just, and I didn't know all the stuff you just said. Obviously, you follow it more closely than I do, but that gives me hope. Um, yeah. So, so the the good point about that for Chumps is this: if you spend the time now between now and next July to learn a little bit about Cavendish. Like Randy said, it'll pull at your heartstrings a little bit. I mean, granted he is a, he's a compelling character because it's not just that he's this great guy. I mean, he has had a lot of, you know, problems where, you know, people might've, he might have come across very harsh towards, you know, staff, other teammates, mechanics, so on and so on. So, you know, he's a very real person. He's not some sort of character. He's a very real person. But I think, again, he's compelling. You can learn about him. 
And then if you get interested enough, then when the tour comes around in July, you can watch him make history. Like Randy said, it would be something really exciting to see someone take the overall lead solely for the most Tour de France stage wins ever. I'm just going to say it. Like, if he gets most of the quick step lead out train and he gets, if they can land L Track Tour. Yeah, that would be awesome. To set pace on all the sprinter stages, it's got to have it in the bag. Come on. Oh, it, absolutely. That's what we're waiting for. And if you L Track Tour to Astana. If, if, if L Track Tour is at Astana, I will become a huge Astana fan. I will have, I will have <laughs> water Chad's bottles. going to buy a Willier. <laughs> I will have a Willier. I will have water bottles. It'll be great. <laughs> I will say their bike last at this year's tour was one of the hottest bikes. Their it was good looking. I mean, it was a wheelier. I don't know. Um, if I would ride it, but it was a good looking bike for sure. Paint job was fantastic. And if you want to get more more emotional attachment to him, if you watch his Instagram of him of his kid riding bikes, it's so cute. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, it's a tall task though. We'll put it out there. I mean, even with all of the the backup that he has, I mean, you got well out there. You got. Yes, I mean, obviously, Philipson is dominant right now. Yeah, but he won six yeah. stages last year. I mean, it's obviously. Insane. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think everybody's <laughs> going to be pulling for him, though. And I think as the state, as as the tour went on, you know, Philipson was a non-factor for many of them, obviously, for the mountain stages. You know, he didn't really come well, back. Cavs not winning any mountain stages, but that, that's okay. He, yeah. I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure he'll have a chance and he'll, he'll be able to. He he's extremely savvy. The one thing about Cav is he's never been the the most powerful sprinter ever, but he has always been the savviest and the smartest racer out there. And I mean, again, he he timed that sprint perfectly, and if his chain hadn't uh, acted up, if his dry strain hadn't acted up, he probably would have won that stage. And it's because of his his racing genius you know his experience and his acumen on understanding how to win a sprint nobody else has done it as good as him and you know it doesn't matter if he's not as fast or as strong or as young as some of these newer guys I mean, he just knows how to win races so even 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 the chain aside there was some some level of contest you know some some folks contested that because didn't they say Philipson, um, yeah, it could have been relegated, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that. You that, also that, don't that want that him crazy. to get the title that way. Like you don't want. Yeah, uh, on a relegation, yeah. of course, of course. Um, you know how this year's tour was very, um, like the route and the stages was like kind of unheard of, um, and different, and it definitely played on certain strengths and certain weaknesses. I just, I don't want him to like be handed this title like i don't i hope that when the route comes out it's not like well i mean look every tour stage is going to have five to seven sprint stages i mean i'm sorry every year the tour is going to have five to seven sprint pure sprint stages and then you might have another few where it could go to a sprinter it could go to the breakaway depending on the sort of yeah. you know how it plays out in the day and the reason that they do that is you can't have a grand tour of 21 stages where all of them are mountainous right. like yeah. the people would die yeah right. for sure so there's going to be sprint stages no matter what it's not going to be four cav or anything like that. i just i guess my point is they did a very good job with the stages this year and i hope they do the same next year no i'm i'm of the opinion if they have like seven sprint stages and they were like maybe five of them should be uphill sprints and then cav announces he's back they're like 
seven of them are all going to be bone flat. Be <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with that. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, the, the route's going to be announced in, I think, October 25th. So we'll find out soon enough. We'll we'll talk about that. Remind us. We'll talk about that next. When when the route is announced, we'll give a little bit of an update on on how they did. What you what, We'll give you a chance to comment, Ryan, if you... If you like the choices they made, that's that's right around the corner. One of the token sprint stages is not available this year, right? The yes, yeah, correct, yeah, for sure, correct. So the, they're not going to go into downtown Paris. So that, thanks, the, thanks Paris, thanks Olympics. So there's, so what, <laughs> I think, I think the rumor is what the last day will be an individual time trial this year. And it is not even rumored. It's guaranteed. Yeah. Th- that's already announced. It's going to be an ITT. But going into Nice, to be fair, there have been some super exciting ITTs as of late. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, the great thing about the tour is it's not just there's going to be all of these secondary storylines. So, of course, they want to have an exciting tour because we're going to have we know already that Roglic is not going to be with Yumbo. So we're going to have another contender. So we're going to have at least three contenders potentially we don't know where Remco is going to go. I don't know if I would call him a contender, but he's at least someone that can animate the race. So there's going to be a lot of different storylines this year, especially with the Cav thing. So it's not just about who's going to win. There's going to be all kinds of things to keep track of. So again, something worth spending some time now to get a little bit familiar with all of this stuff, particularly with Cav. That can make your Tour de France experience next year more enjoyable. You might really even get into it. I really hope those four guys end up on four separate teams that make for a, yeah i don't i don't really care about remco i don't think he's yeah i, I at that level i don't think he's we legit. know we're gonna have the three big guns on three different teams yeah. so we know roglic is gonna go to bora now you know you have uh Jonas at jv and you know you have pogachar at uae so it's gonna be it's gonna be solid yeah. either way i agree i don't think remco's there yet but it will still add to the storyline yeah yeah all right all right that's enough race talk so Chad, I think you wanted to bring this up. We had a, I know you're very positive about the future of the bike industry, and it might be because it can only go uphill from here, but we sort of had a loss in the cycling family this week. (laughs) (laughs) You want to tell us about what happened? Yeah, the rumors were circulating, and then I think it it was confirmed finally by Mm -hmm. the So the the Surly Bikes, which has been around for a while, started with a single speed bike called the Rat Ride, which I think they later called the One by One, and that then they kind of remarketed and that became the whole brand. So Surly bikes are, have been kind of cheap, affordable steel frames. They later started to sell them as bikes. But anyway, like I think it's the second bike ever, second or third bike ever they had in their catalog was the cross check, which was basically just a steel forked cantilever brake stud cross bike. It was nothing fancy, nothing special about it other than the fact that it was cheap. So if you wanted to build basically a cross bike and it could fit a really a fat tire, like a 40 seat. Yeah, I think it. I think it fitted a forty-two. I think, yeah, and which was in in the nineties, which was like way ahead of its time. They sold a forty-one like in their catalog for a while later on. I think they, I think it was called the Nard, with the spelled with a K. A forty-one. Uh, that was like one of the early gravel tires. It fit in the cross. Mm-hmm. It fit in the cross check. So anyway, if you basically it was like an eight hundred dollar frame, brand new, all all said and done. They even had a version of it called the Traveler's Check, which I thought was a pretty cool name. It had couplers <laughs> in the middle of it, but. Yeah, so 800 bucks, you could have bought this frame. And the whole point kind of for silly was whatever garbage you had in your parts bin, you could build up a pretty decent 
bike. You know, these were kind of the bikes that the, the kid who works at the bike shop, kind of maybe the low man on the totem pole, stealing parts from people, could afford to buy one of these frames kind of from QBP, especially at their discount. And you really had a great bike. And so it, two decades, this thing has been in the catalog and they've announced they're done. They're they're not going to sell any more cross checks. At least that's what they're claiming. So it, it's done. It has died. And for me, it's just one more like nail in the coffin with me and my love of QBP frames. So I have. <laughs> so I mean, full disclosure here. If anyone doesn't know, I have owned many many QBP frames. Right. I have like one of the original Pugsleys. I actually did not have a cross check, but I did help a buddy build one up. So I'm not, I'm not a stranger to it. I have had an ogre, which I'm not sure is in their catalog anymore. It, no, it is. The it, ogre is still in their catalog. So I had the, like the one of the original ones that I think had a non, effectively a non-suspension corrected fork. I, I like that bike. I rode it once yep. at an event. It was a nice bike. It was a good, good racy-ish gravel bike because how, how I had built it. And then they have a sister brand, All City, which now is also this year has announced it, it's dying. It's dead. It's they're, they're killing it off. And, you know, it, I'm a little torn here with QBP. So they've, they've kind of killed off what was a cheap. Now it was a rim brake bike. I get that, right? It was a rim brake bike that's dying. But again, at the end of the day, it's like how many affordable disc brake bikes are you going to build out of parts in your parts bin? I just, I don't really see that happening. All cities bikes were usually rim braked. I mean, the later ones were all disc brake, but again, the bikes that they're kind of killing off QBP for me are the, the racer bikes, the racer ishy kind of bikes. I mean, they were sort of hipsterish, but if you wanted to actually do like a legit gravel race on the weekend, these were the kind of bikes you could you could ride. And it's like QBP catalog to me is the only thing left is a bunch of commuter bikes. And I just I don't I don't know where to take that. I for me personally, I don't have a need for one of their commuter specific design bikes. I mean, I'd rather just take one of my old bikes and demote it and use it for other purposes in life. But um, I, I I don't really know where they're going here. I mean, there was one point where it seemed like QBP was trying to make a bike to take on maybe in a hipsterish kind of way, let's say everything that was in the, the catalog kind of from the big guys, but um, it, it's, think, it's no more. I think I'm, I've, I've not ever owned an all city, but I have been a huge fan of all city. And I think in the last couple of years, they like tried to like stay true to their roots, but then also like, mesh with the times and their bikes went from being like you know sub two thousand dollar bikes to being four thousand dollar but like i think they lost their identity a little bit and maybe this was going to happen one way or the other but i mean if you talk to people like you that have had qbp bikes like they are infatuated with them and they love them and it's like it's like my fear here is like we need this corner of the market. I know it's a small corner of the market, but like we need this like lower end utilitarian affordable, like you said, whatever garbage you have in your parts bin part of the market. Like we need that. And with this dying, there's not a lot of options out there. Surly was like the go-to for that option. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they're assuming you'll buy the Straggler now, which is kind of a rim brake cousin to the Crosscheck. It's a very similar bike, but, um, you know, it's it's a quick <clears throat> bike, not a through axle. So I don't mm-hmm. really know what to do with that in your parts bin. And, you know, All City, before they kind of announced, I think maybe the last bike All City had in their catalog developed, I think was the Super Professional, which for those of you not familiar with it, it was kind of like a cross bike, but it really was sort of designed to be maybe like a courier bike or like a 
like an urban yeah. commuter type bike. It was not like a traditional cross bike and it was much heavier than anything else that had been in the all city catalog. And if you sort of look at the newest bike from Surly, I think it's the preamble, which is very yep. much kind of like, uh, you know, like a commuter ish in my mind, like a sporty commuter frame. It's not a dedicated racy bike um, kind of thing. So I get they're trying to, and they, and they do tend to make these bikes, these commuterish bikes in smaller sizes, larger sizes, so they can fit like a wider range of the demographics than that kind of being, I, I guess, would like a dude focus racer only kind of bike, which maybe, is, you know, that's what we are here at Velo Chumps, right? I mean, our demographics are certainly in that. But I think like, if you don't, if you don't have those bikes, does anyone really kind of want to buy the secondary bike, right? I mean, there's a reason why even boring sedan companies like honda and toyota make a sports car every now and then right it's like nobody wants to buy a corolla as the flagship of the, <laughs> of the brand right and that's well it's kind of where these two brands have sort of gone for me i mean i i mean is is qbp putting the racing pedigree in salsa exclusively now is that what's going on and now they're you know what i mean is that what's the i don't know i haven't obviously been in any meetings but I don't know. It could be that that's where they're going with it. I mean, Salsa's, you could argue Salsa's raciest bike in the catalog is the granddaddy of all gravel bikes, right? The, mm -hmm. the Warbird, which yep. I don't think they've updated that bike in a long, long time. And they certainly don't have, in my mind, an affordable version of it. There used to be a Right, exactly. There used, to be, exactly. there used to be a carbon and an aluminum Warbird, so you could get the aluminum one with Tiagra or maybe 105 if you couldn't fork over the money for the carbon bike. But their carbon Warbird... Last I checked, it's it's it carries almost an MSRP premium versus let's say one of the big brands like Giant, right? Or Absolutely. Even. And so, and it tends if you look at QBP's complete bikes, they usually are very nice bikes, but they also tend to carry a pretty decent couple hundred buck premium over let's say uh, a mainline bike. Um, so I think it's I think it's hard to say the general public would buy a QBP complete bike just on price alone. I think if you're buying a QBP bike it's because something about that brand spoke to you or some one of your friends had it and you were kind of like, hey, I'm, that's a cool looking bike. I want to buy it. And you're kind of paying a small premium, in my opinion, to kind of own it. And at this point, they're with the cross check dying. It's like, mm. yeah, I will say one thing that I've noticed and I kind of hate to bring this up, but they are very obviously absent from their wheelhouse. So their wheelhouse is off-road, gravel riding, adventure riding, and that is what is growing exponentially in America right now. And like you see these guys, you know, repping their brands on Instagram and, you know, being, being privateers and stuff. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head anyway recently that has been advocating for qbp brands the last person and i'm gonna like this is my niche i guess like you guys aren't necessarily into this but the the last person i can think of that got notoriety on a qbp brand was a guy named andrew omnera omnera i'm gonna botch his last name but he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with ted king on the um arkansas what what's it called like this huge off-road 700 mile, like 40,000 feet of climbing event. And he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Ted King for like the first three or four days. And he got so much, like he was just some no-name dude from the middle of nowhere that was living off McDonald's. Props to you, Chad. Um, <laughs> and that's the last time I can think of like anybody doing anything significant on a QBP brand. And so 
like, but that's their wheelhouse. Like they should be like, you would think that they would be like totally dominating that market or channeling that market or, but, but they're not. Yeah. I mean, I sent it to you guys. I honestly don't know, you know, QBP smart enough. They, they're a big company, right? For those that don't know what QBP is pretty much, if you call on a bike shop, they probably have an account with QBP and what they mostly buy from QBP are small parts. It's things like bolts and fenders and pedals and bottle cages and other things that bike shops sort of need to sell you a bike. QBP is like a mass distributor that owns all this ancillary stuff. You kind of need to sell a bike. So then they kind of got into offering frames as a, as a later thing, right? So Salsa is not an old brand by any stretch, but that was one of their first brands they market. but they've had lots of other brands over the years. They've had Foundry, which is no longer around, which kind of made cross bikes for a while. And it was a weird name because they started out as carbon bikes and later ended up as high bike. <laughs> and then they tried Heller, which was a carbon brand that it's, it's claim to fame was it was going to be a cheap and affordable carbon frame. Cause I think they were using open mold designs out of Asia um civia was a brand that they had for a while which was like commuter bikes it was really kind of commuter and sort of uh non-racy bikes and they kind of had style to them i guess you could, you could say for lack of a better term but they killed that one off so it's just like i don't know where they're going with do they know where they're going it seems like you know salsa should have been the carbon aluminum racy brand but and then it was weird too is salsa probably is the best pedigreed band be, brand because they bought out a company, right? Salsa is not originally QBP brand. Yeah. They bought out Salsa. And so if you actually wanted a Salsa, you couldn't actually buy a Salsa from any QBP dealer, which you could do with every other QBP frame. You actually had to find an actual Salsa dealer to buy a Salsa, which wasn't the case if you wanted a Surly or an All-City General. Almost any bike shop could order you one of those in the past. So that kind of made it confusing. So I just kind of wonder, like, do they know what they want these bikes to be? Like, is Surly still meant to be the cheap steel bike brand? And then they're going to take all city or take Salsa and make it the carbon brand. And they, mm -hmm. they just had too much overlap, I guess, with, with all city. Cause at one point I think, I can't remember Jeff's last name, but Jeff was like the brand manager who worked at QBP that kind of was the, the founder, I guess, of the all city brand. He had sort of said, you know, he had sort of had this philosophy where all city was like the boutique carbon or yep. boutique chromoly frame right so they they had columbus tubing and they had 853 and then at some point all city had its own branding of tubing which i guess kind of loses a little bit of cachet because surly has their own they just call it natch which i just think is whatever they get from their asian supply base so it was hard to say how was all city no longer just using asian supply based tubing which again is kind of speaks to the marketing. It's sort of like, well, what do you want each brand to be? What What's the message we should all take out of this? And I just think QBP's maybe had to kill so many brands because they didn't do a good job of sort of defining what are those brands supposed to be for each one of us. Yeah, I mean, Randy, you bought a Mr. Pink at one point, right? I did. I did. <clears throat> I mean, you didn't feel very fast on it, but it was a nice looking bike anyway. It was a great bike. I mean, it was, it, that is one of the things that I will say. It's It's an aesthetically pleasing bike and it was comfortable to ride. It just, it's absolutely just heavy. And I think that, you know, if you're out there on a Mr. Pink or an all or a uh, zigzag with a whiskey fork, there's like some cachet to that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you want to be out there racing. You know, you don't have to be on a, you know, whatever, like Pinarello dogma or something. But if you're if you're on that bike and you're enjoying riding, I think Ryan's right. I mean, there is there should be a market for that. And I think there is. I think people are interested in having that sort of a, you know, 
experience on the bike that's not a race experience that they don't need a tarmac sl8 or something like that and you know i guess chad it's like you said is as these things are falling off or being killed off or whatever you want to call it there's less and less options of that sort of bike yeah i mean other unless you're gonna go custom you know and and you know to to circle back i you know i i view the cross check as just one more casually sort of the yeah of the the all city brands and I have, you know, you do have to think about it. It's like, well, if you're going to build up a cross check today, you have to have candy brakes or linear pulls in your parts bin. You can still get those, but the selection of them available new in the market is really shrunk. And so I, I kind of wonder if what killed, maybe, maybe what killed all city, maybe what killed the cross check is where bike drivetrains have gone, right? Because if you want to actually go and buy a bike drivetrain right now, rim brakes are pretty scant. The last of the all city bikes were um, were disc brake at least, but you know if you're gonna really spend a thousand bucks on a steel frame and then go spend another two to three grand on a decent electronic shifting kit to put it on an all city. It's sort of like at that point, it's like why don't I just put another couple hundred bucks in it and just go buy the carbon fiber specialized or Trekker Giant? So I I wonder if the brand just died because the drivetrains have moved on and the the bikes couldn't. I mean, I, I certainly yeah. would have no problem hunting down Campy or whatever. And there were a lot of really cool um, builds, I would say, that I've seen over the years of all cities that probably use SRAM mechanical. Oh, for sure. And for sure. I, well, you know, maybe SRAM killing off mechanical had helped doing this. Yeah. Boutique yeah. Too. So maybe well, to, your, to your point, I'm, I'm less shocked by Surly. I'm more shocked by All City because All City had. You know, most of their bikes modern day were they had all the modern, you know, they had through axles, the same spacing. Yeah, zigzag that, was disc, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it had disc brakes and like and again, those frames were like the I think the thing Pretty. with Surly was they were affordable. So they mm-hmm. were uh less of a barrier of entry. But the thing with All City was damn those bikes look good. <laughs> for being the those whiskey forks pretty man yeah like those bikes are so good looking yeah i mean a buddy of mine has a log lady and every time i see that bike i'm like man that bike looks good don't get rid of that they they didn't make a lot of those yeah that, that, <laughs> those were pretty rare and then i think there was a cantilever version kind of similar called the junkyard dog that was a. Uh, I regret not owning one of those frames but sadly but, but you know i guess if, you know from a chump's point of view i guess we've talked about this before and a lot of times there's a lot of marketing we talked about you know chad we talked about how specialized with their marketing their marketing with the roubaix that just came out was pretty phenomenal um you know but these big brands do a lot of marketing and and as consumers a lot of times if we're getting into riding bikes we might think oh we really want to get this this brand that's on the on tv or it's in the commercials or it's on the internet and that's what i need that's what everyone's riding and you know it doesn't necessarily translate for everybody that you're going to be happy on a Trek or a Specialized or a Giant, right? I mean, there's a lot of things we've talked about this before that make you happy. And one of them might be the comfort level of the bike and the appearance of the bike that makes you happy. And that if you're the happy, if you're happy, you're going to ride more. And, you know, from a chump's perspective, it's probably worth looking into what options you have out there and not just saying, well, whatever bike has the coolest marketing, that must be the bike I want. I mean, all of us have known someone in the past few years that have been interested in bikes and they like went out and bought the, uh, the new, 
you know, high tech carbon specializer trek or whatever, which is fine. And it might work for, I mean, we all have bikes like that, but I mean, except for Ryan, but you know, there's a lot to be said for some of these, these other bikes that have been out there. And it's just a shame if as a consumer base, we don't, you know, support those other options in a way that maybe we should, or maybe that would be better for us. And then the options go away and now we're all stuck riding specialized, which is not what is not what, uh, it's not for everybody. That's not the right bike for everybody, you know? Well, the nice thing about QBP was it was like widely available at multiple bike shops. So like, yeah. you know, you, there's like, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I think there's like some geography requirements for Trek and specialized and giant. So the thing about QBP was you could pretty much go into any bike shop and they're familiar with your brand. So that's sad to see too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm pretty most, I mean, there might be one or two out there that aren't, but I think the majority of bike shops that are probably available to most people listening probably have a QBP account and could get you what's still available from QBP. So any last words on the cross check or QBP in general, Chad? I mean, uh, I, I hope they're making some racy-ish, gravelly road bikes again, because I think the road bikes have all all died. I think they're all gone now with all city exiting the exiting the space. And you had the Mr. Pink, you had the Pacer, and Salsa had a couple, but I think they're gone now. So I think everything's gone gravelly, mountain bike, commutery thing. I don't know how else to describe that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously this isn't a video this is a podcast but chad's name on the podcast tonight because you can assign your name before you log in is mr positive about the future of the bike industry i'm still positive about it i so chad yeah chad spin this in a positive light so if we're we've been just talking about like this is or i've been saying this is a corner of the market that needs to exist spin this in a positive light well, I, I mean, ultimately, what, what are we coming down to? It's, it's sort of, a, I think maybe the theme could be affordable. The availability, let's say, of new affordable bike parts might have been what killed off the cross check. Because again, if you can't go buy cantilever brakes or rim brakes in general, how do you go build one of these things? So I'm hopeful that when Shimano Qs finally announces their road catalog, let's say, that there's some rim options in there. And they haven't, yeah, certainly QBP hasn't said they would never bring the cross check back if there was enough outcry or market demand. So maybe you could return here one day. Bikes. There you go. Had bikes come back in the portfolio before. Maybe all city won't come back, but I think as long as Surly's around, they might have a little bit of sentimentality to bring back probably one of the oldest bikes still available in their catalog. Do we have any other uh, topics or are we ready for the MG factoid? I don't have a factoid. <laughs> Come on, man. Do we have any historical um, tidbits of information of the bike industry from 1942 from Chad? I, I don't have a factoid. I actually have like a fact. Like, I mean, that. Uh oh, I mean, we well, that's not okay. You can't have a fact. You can have a factoid. I mean, we, we could learn about headsets, but I don't. I mean, it would be legitimate. So I can't I can't roll that out. Come on, Green. You got to have I, something to contribute here. Come on. Well, can I tell something? Maybe a story. I texted Eric first thing this morning. I was like, "Hey, I have an idea." Um, we're I, not doing this. No, no, we're not doing this. But I think it's <laughs> fun to tell the story. So, um, I said we need to come up with like random, you know, on the 2013 3T whatever. What was the bottom bracket standard? And 
and pimp Chad and see if he knows the answer. And Eric's like, we can't do that because Chad will 100% know the answer. Yeah, exactly. This would be a stupid game. <laughs> and so, and Eric's like, we need to be less esoteric and be more, you know, catering to the chump, which is absolutely true. But I think, I just think it's funny because as I did a little bit of research and tried to find like some sort of standard or spacing or whatever that would confuse Chad, everything that I looked at, I knew he knew the answer to already. Yeah. Chad, actually, speaking of that, I have a good one for you. Okay. I will ask you a question because it's fascinating. I'm sure you know the answer, but it has to do with the cross-check, the outgoing cross-check. Actually, I will, Chad, you're going to be the one that doesn't answer because you know the answer. You'll go last. But for the rest of you, I'll go around the room here. What is or was, sorry, what was the rear hub spacing on the Surly Crush check? What do you got, Randy? What was the rear hub spacing? <laughs> you got the wrong person to ask. <laughs> All right, Mike Green, what do you got? Rear hub spacing on the Surly Crush check. 135. 135, okay. Ryan, what do you got? Rear hub spacing on the Surly Crush Am I allowed to give the... I was going to say 135. I don't know if I'm allowed to give the same answer. Okay, so 2135. So now, Chad, Chad, you tell us the actual answer for the... For the rear hub spacing on the Surly Crush Check. This this is brilliant. Like yeah, it is. It was really bizarre by them. (laughs) Is not standard. It was. It was 132.5. Yes, sir. There was a reason for this. So what it meant was. (laughs) <laughs> see this eric this is why we couldn't play <laughs> i know this is, i know this is fantastic why they, they did this so you could literally grab any piece of garbage in your bike parts bin to put this bike together so a normal road hub is 130 so they assumed with a 132 and a half you could clamp down the quick release skewer hard enough that it would hold the wheel in. <laughs> and then it's better so 135 is the old rim brake mountain bike hub so if you had yep. one of those they figured you could just kind of shove it on in but it would still have a fit. Yeah. this was like a, this was the thing you used to do like in the shop back in the day so it was called i think the actual name for the spacing was not right i think that was the market <laughs> but this is this is exactly why this needs to exist Exactly. So people- oh yeah, it was it was a cool thing. It was a cool thing that it was just basically like a frame that you could throw whatever crap you had around laying around onto it. Even you could throw two different hub standards onto it, whether you'd bend the stays in or bend the stays out, right. one way or the other, it would fit. Yeah, yeah, like we we are the velo chumps, but we like self admittedly, like we have all built bikes and we all for the most part know the standards and knew like know how to build a bike like but this is exactly why this needs to exist is so people can shove whatever wheel in there and be like eh, good enough yeah yeah my other favorite thing is they used um their forks were all steel uh steel steer tubes so you could literally put like 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 four inches of spacers underneath your step yeah. and this bike to fit you because they all had pretty low they all had like a, a classic horizontal top tube which meant for yeah a pretty you know not a very big stack on these bikes but you could just put all the spacers to your heart content put the handlebars where you wanted chop it off and go to town so good again yeah that's awesome the fact that Chad knows that it was thirty two and a half is like this is why my my little 
Yeah, that's why your game sucks. Yeah, my little Chad quiz corner wouldn't exist because I could talk about some. <laughs> I did, wait, what's funny is I didn't talk to you ahead of time, Chad. I did not. I didn't <laughs> confirm that you knew that about the the cross check hub spacing. I just knew that you knew it. I didn't have to confirm with you. So uh, I I really want one of the prototypes. There was yeah there were prototype cross checks that actually used a quill stem. Not oh wow wow like the original and then the bike if 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 anyone from QBP would ever listen they built I think it was like one or two um it was the Macho Man I'm trying to remember what it was called it was the bike that was to become the Super Macho Man it was going to be the Macho King and it was going to be made out of a special Columbus uh, tubing and the bike failed testing but they made a couple of prototypes that used cantilever brakes. Eventually, the production bike went to 853 and needed disc brakes on it so it could pass kind of safety testing. But I'd really love to have one of those original candy brake macho candy. Chad, yeah. Yeah. Chad, don't pretend like you don't know the name. We all know you know the name. I mean, I, no, I think it was called the Macho King because I had to remember what it was. It was they were all ma- named after Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> it was the Macho King prototypes, the one I want. Like, I'd love to have that bike. Yeah, all right. I don't think we're going to, uh, I don't think you're going to get one, but. It would be awesome if you did. It would be. It would be. It'd be really great. I just love all right. the fact that you have all this knowledge just like stored away. So on trivia night, you. It's useless. <laughs> There's no trivia questions about bikes. Never this is entirely useless information. Never mind the fact I have three kids and I can't remember their birthdays, but boy, it's <laughs> <laughs> really cross check. That'll come in. <laughs> What yeah, you got, my green? Yeah, I thought I thought you had four kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could be right. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm sick over here. Oh man, just trying to stay awake, trying to get through the episode. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate the dedication over there. Yeah, you know, uh, when there were the big pauses earlier, I didn't know what was going on, and then all of a sudden, Ryan or Chad would speak up, and I'm like, oh. I have a feeling that Eric's been talking this whole time. <laughs> really yeah. weird. Uh, Mike is in the IT department anyway, and he was having IT problems tonight. So, you know, that's yeah. how it goes. Had to reboot some stuff. Yeah. That's normally what we do at work to fix everything, just reboot it. So, yeah. Since we spent this entire episode talking about what is a pretty niche bike, maybe Eric can find a photo of one for our Instagram page. Absolutely. We will we will have a photo of a Surly Crush check up there right. on the Velo Chumps Instagram. So check us out over there. Stupid at Velo Chumps at on Instagram. Stupid. Hey, I just I, I think Ryan should feel obligated to go buy one of these bikes since you spoke so highly about it, but you don't have one, right? <laughs> I, like, I I highly admire oh my all, God. all city bikes. Like they are now, so pretty for what Mike, they are. Now we're going to have to listen to, like, Ryan on the group chat talking about all of the bikes he's finding on the marketplace (laughs) of all these QBP brands and that he's not going to buy anyway. Why did you even instigate that, man? Now that's just going to create a bunch of extra crap for us. Chad, I had had to listen to the podcast earlier without Eric talking, (laughs) and then Ryan would just... Would just like wax or whatever, you know, how do you say? And, and I'm just hearing him talk about this crap that he's never owned and he's not going to buy. It's like you can't say how something but, is so amazing and that you're so bummed that this part of the industry is going to disappear. But, but 
I think we all do that in our own way. Like, no, no, no. this is you. No. This is you. Well, I've, I've single-handedly kept QBP in production. Of all <laughs> no, but we, we, Ryan, you've seen my garage. We all, <laughs> we all have bikes that are aesthetically pleasing to us. That doesn't necessarily mean we go out and buy 17 like Randy does. But Chad, I have a serious question, and this is probably a stupid question. I know the answer, but probably, yeah. Um, <coughs> QBP is not like that's a worldwide company, right? So, like you, you oh. just said, we talked about a very niche uh, bike. No, like, can I... people in Europe get QBP, or yeah. is that totally a North yeah. American thing? No, no, no. So QBP, I think, st- stands for Quality Bicycle Products. That I believe yeah. initially they're like a North American distributor, and I think they have they have partnerships globally. Mm-hmm. So maybe not for their small parts, but. For a lot of their bikes and bike brands, yeah. early, they do have distributor channels elsewhere. So the okay. cross check was by no means just a North American only phenomenon. Like it, it had other markets. I I thought so, but as then I was like, wait, did we just spend forty five minutes talking about this? And like, no, no, the, people know what this no, is. Don't worry. Right, don't worry. The two people who have made us <laughs> roaring success in Italy, they'll get it. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Unless you got anything else. Nope. No. We need to. We're gonna. We're gonna call it a night. I said it, but we. If you. If you like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about us, and do all the things. Click like, thumbs up, whatever. I don't know, but um, we just enjoy doing this. We have fun doing this. We're gonna do it whether people listen or not. But um, obviously, it's more. (laughs) It's more fun when there's people following along at home. And we get some interaction, so um, we appreciate it. And do what you got to do to um, tell your friends. I, you know what? Just, I think before we go, did we get any international riders? No, man. <laughs> no. Yeah. For the for the Pittsburgh ride, no. For the Dirty Dozen, nope. Yeah. No one's taking us up yet. So you know, we we should probably come up with like a milestone for the podcast that if we top a certain figure, Ryan is then committed to actually go and buy a bike. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea <laughs> you know. because we, the, you guys all know that I, I'm not going to pull that trigger on my own. Right. So, so I do, do know gotta, that. So Ryan, set the stage. What do we got to, what, what does our audience, what, what, what do the two members that listen to us week in and week out have to do to get you to buy a bike? Somebody has to show up at Dirty Dozen in Pittsburgh with Chad and Eric. No. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, we, no I, I, I think they need to get their friends to listen. And I think if we could, what's our threshold? What number would be a great number for Ryan to finally commit to buying a new car? Well, if we're, if we're at two listeners, what's a, <laughs> what's a, like, I want it to be achievable, but I don't want it to be. Hold on. I'm pretty sure if we cross like the 10,000 subscriber threshold, you're on the hook for an S Works tarmac. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we can just set it up here. So if we hit, if we cross a thousand, he's got to buy a Di2 Ultegra and a Tarmac, a new one. And if we cross ten thousand, he's got to buy an S Works. Yep, perfect. All right, we got it. We got to figure it out. All right, we got to figure it we'll out. Post the details on our Instagram feed. It'll be all set. Yep. All right. All right. And, and, all right, guys. And let's then, do it. Good, and good then job. The, the four of us can spikes, like and comment. Spikes, 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 spikes,